and Sonship. I was able to talk with JJ this week, uh, which I try to do over a couple weeks. He's been visiting his son in Washington, D.C., and he's home. Um, pray for him as he helps his son deal with a situation, and then he said he, he will be back soon. It's good to see Jerry and Marie. Glad that they came back out this morning. Missed you guys. It seems like every week folks are trickling in, and we've got vacations and everything. And I was telling um, someone this week, I said, when everybody's all done with vacations and we've come back, uh, you know, getting out of our homes, getting vaccinations, whatever you're choosing to do, uh, make the do- those decisions, then we get back together as a family. We're going we're going to be up in the hundreds again really, really soon, um, which is still right about where we were 120, 125 before pandemic hit. So um, it's been over in my mind a long time because I didn't panic. I prophesied. That's what I tried to get you to do is not to panic, but just to prophesy over your situation. And I'm thankful God spared and I know many did he spared even if you got COVID but I didn't it did not come nigh my dwelling and it shall not come nigh my dwelling because I'm sheltered in the arms of loving God under the wings of the master so I have enjoyed looking at sonship and I'm um, we could exhaust yes youth you can go one back if you want to go back with uh Brett and Missy, Liberty, who, so 6th through 12th graders, if you want to go back uh, to the youth service, thank you for reminding me. But I, we could uh, take months and not exhaust this topic of sonship. It's a theme that flows throughout the scripture, and we don't want to exhaust that in one service and exhaust you. <laughs> so we've spread it out over three weeks. The first week, we wanted to get rid of that mentality of Uh, Being a slave, uh, you are a son. And uh, if a son, then an heir. And that heirship is immediately not out in your future somewhere. While there are future implications of it, you received an inheritance when he died. And you're able to operate in that. Last week we talked about all all that he has is ours. We looked at the prodigal son prodigal father and the elder brother, the story of those two sons and the father, when really that story is uh, about nothing other than the father and his response to his children. Whether you're stubborn and you've sat in the pews for years or you wandered out and did your own thing, both need a revelation of grace and to both, uh, all that the father has is ours to enjoy. This morning we're going to look at, we are image bearers. We bear the image of Christ as sons. Uh, Has anybody ever seen pictures of my dad when he was about my age and then me? If you compare ages like when he was a certain age and when I was a certain age, take Matthew's blonde hair away, you can see a lot of resemblance. As a matter of fact, uh, we even tease that he walks like me. And uh, I can't see his head back there, his facial reactions, but uh, we're going to raise that, <laughs> raise that up so I can see him. But there, we are image bearers of our heavenly Father. And um, I want to tackle a few things this morning. I'm going to give you my perception, my belief, not that you have to believe that way. 
at all. But I want you to kind of understand where I'm coming from. Maybe it will release something into you that helps you see your sonship a little more clearly and then that you can begin to walk in that sonship and really enjoy all that you have uh, at your disposal as a son. Because everything that we have at, as, at our disposal as sons and daughters of the king is not just to bless us, uh, for us to walk in prosperity. It is for us to have resources to bless everyone that we come in contact with, to make everything, the residue of the kingdom, would be left everywhere that we go. Because, see, there's a residue. My DNA is in everything that I touch. I leave behind my DNA. If I've committed a crime, they will go back and they'll do fingerprints or find something that had my DNA on it, and they can identify me. Why? Because I left the residue of my DNA behind. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to you. In kingdom terminology, as a son, everything that you touch should leave the residue, an imprint an image of the kingdom of God on that situation, whether it is your family, whether it is your job, whether it is uh, in the marketplace, wherever you go, on vacation. See, we don't take a vacation from God. God's with us wherever we go. So at the beach, we should be leaving behind an imprint and the residue of the kingdom of God because we are image bearers. Go with me to the very first book of the Bible. In the very first chapter of the book of the Bible, Genesis. Genesis is our origin or our beginnings. That's what it means. When you have your Genesis in something, that's your beginning in that particular something. And let's look at verse 27 together. I hope it's on the screen and it's on the screen for you viewers watching on our live stream right now. Verse 27, Genesis 1. So God created man... In his own image. What image did God create man in? His own image. Therefore, I would say that Adam was an image bearer. And in the image of God created he him. Look at that next phrase. Male and female, he created them. So both male and female were created in the image of God. Is that correct? According to Genesis 1.27. So men and women... Humankind, mankind, is created in the image of God. Genesis 5, verses 1 through 3. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, circle that word man, in the likeness of God made he him, or in the image of himself he made man. Verse 2, male and female created he them, he blessed them, and he called, look at it, their name, Adam. Man. Both male and female named Adam, mankind. Do you know that there's only been two men that have ever lived? Adam and Christ. Adam died, and Jesus, the last Adam, came to give us life. My particular viewpoint and opinion is that since the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Christ, that we've only been born in Christ, and therefore all are sons of God. I'll get back to that. 
Don't lose your mind over that, okay? He created them, called them Adam, and in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son. And what kind of son did he beget? In his own likeness and after his own image. So if the created man Adam begat a son and Adam was in the likeness of God, what was the likeness and image of the son that Adam begat? In the likeness and the image of God. So everyone born, the pattern then, is that everyone that is born a physical birth is created in the image. They are an image bearer, and if I can say it this way, they are the sons of God. I don't want to get ahead of myself. The mandate of every image bearer, let's go look at that. Go back to Genesis 1 and look at verse 28. Can I just build this introduction for a a platform and foundation to launch from this morning as we look at ourselves as image bearers, sons of God. I have to stop right here and say this, not just to look at ourselves as sons of God's and image bearers, but when we break down and start stop judging and calling someone else that doesn't look like, act like, smell like, or talk like us something other than an image bearer, then we create an us and them mentality and we have an us and them mentality, then we will see ourselves as inferior and some as um, ourselves superior and others inferior when we are all sons of God. And I'm not talking about just inside the four walls of what we call a church. I'm talking about everyone that is born is born in the image and the likeness of God. The mandate then that God gives is found in Genesis 1 verse 28. God blessed them. That comes out of verse 27. He created man in his own image, and in his image of God he created him male and female. And God blessed them. God said unto them, here's the mandate, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. And he tells them what to have dominion over. That mandate has not changed. Every image bearer, every son created in the likeness and image of God has a mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue, and to have dominion. Well, you would say, but God destroyed the earth with a flood. And you'll jump to Genesis 6 and you'll say, and Noah created an ark and only he and his family made it. The mandate did not change. Go to Genesis, the ninth chapter. As Adam stepped out into a brand new world, that's scriptural, you can find it. He stepped out into a new world, and the mandate in Genesis 9, or the chapter 9, verses 1 and 7, he repeats it, God blessed Noah and his sons. Let me say it this way, God blessed Noah and his image bearers, created in his likeness and after his kind. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Help me, Holy Ghost. Any relationship that does not produce life and and does not have the capability of replenishing is not of God. 
I don't know how else to say that any more kinder and loving than to say any relationship, and I'm not just talking about a sexual relationship. <laughs> if you are in a relationship that has caused other lifelong relationships to deteriorate, you're in a relationship that's not producing life. I see it happen in families all the time. I see families that they've had lifelong bonds. One individual within that family gets into a relationship that's not producing life and it causes every one of these other relationships to deteriorate. That's not of God, in my opinion. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So it's my belief and it's my persuasion that we are all sons of God. Um, so I have to give you a demonstration. I believe there's probably more than this, but I see two schools of thought. It's all right if I teach a little bit for this morning. So there's basically two schools of thought when it comes to sonship. These two chairs are going to represent those two schools of thoughts. And so one, you would have a school of thought in this chair that would say, yes, we were created the image of God, but because of the fall of man, we are sinful by nature, we're depraved, we're just awful, we're wretched, we're no good, and we have to. That's why Jesus had to come and be beaten up by God and bleed to appease a bloodthirsty God so that then we could be restored to a right relationship with God. And if you will accept that, then you can become a son of God. That's this school of thought. And I'm not telling you right or wrong if you want to believe that because I believe that it will ultimately get you into the same thought that this school of thought will. And this school of thought says what I'm trying to teach and what I believe is that you are already a son of God. You just don't know it. You're not aware of it. Because God has reconciled all men back to himself. And he has put us in a right relationship with God. I believe we had a lot of sons. And I would call them this. They're prodigal. They're out there. They, they don't really even know that they're aware that God's hand has been on their life, that God's kept them from all types of things. They have made dumb decisions. <laughs> We've gone our own way, and we are sons, but we just not have, not have been awakened to that. I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that he brought back to us a mentality that we are all sons. That we See, because Colossians would tell you that in your own mind, you were at enmity with God, that you were an enemy of God. God was never your enemy. It was in your own mind that you were enemies with God. In other words, someone duped you and told you, you're rotten, you're wretched, you're filthy, you're nasty. And you're not a son, but if you accept what God did, then you can become a son. But I believe that you are a son of God. You are an image bearer. You were created in the likeness of God. I want to bring you to that awareness that you are already a son. And here's the subtitle of my message. You are a son becoming a son. You don't become a son. You are a son, and then you become a son. And so I have to... Let's dig into this. I think, ooh, didn't know it was that close. 
you cannot become something you are not created to be. We'll wait till that's over. That's that phone up here. Why is this phone ringing? I thought it was a camera. Sorry, you're live on Grace Life TV. You never know what's going to happen in this place. So let me refresh your memory and mine and say, you cannot become something that you were not created to be. Let me give you an example. A human being cannot become a dog. Wasn't created to be a dog, it can't become a dog. Okay? And I told the staff and leaders downstairs before church, it's sad that we have to give disclaimers and we have to explain certain things so that we don't offend. Um, But I would say that anyone with sexual identity issues and gender issues, we could rebut then trying to become something that they were not created to be because it's impossible. That got a warm response. You cannot become something that you were not created to be. You can pretend, you can work, you can labor, you can toil, and at the end of that, you'll be exhausted, but you won't be fruitful, you won't multiply, and you won't replenish, and that's the kingdom mandate for sons. Okay? Now, there are several different words in the New Testament that show us the progression of sons becoming sons. Let me first say this. Uh, Paul said it. He said it best in Colossians, I believe, the first chapter, verse 28. It's on the screen. This, then, is the essence and the focus of our message, that we awaken everyone's mind, instructing every individual by bringing them into full understanding or clarity in order that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Now that... Word perfect there is teleos, and it means without shortcoming and fully efficient. So our message, the essence of our message then, is to to awaken your minds to the fact that you're already a son. But there are stages of sonship. Would you agree? You can just nod your head if you do, this way if you don't. So it isn't a remote goal it's our, our immediate reference. Let me say it. It's not a goal to become a son. You are a son. That is the immediate re- reference. You are a son of God. We want to awaken your mind to that, and we want to instruct every individual to bring clarity so that then you can be presented perfect in Christ. Now, that's not a presentation to the Father. That's presenting to the world that you are perfect as a son of God in Christ. So the first Greek word describing a son in the New Testament is nepios. And this word nepios, N-E-P-I-O-S, I believe it's on the screen, means an infant child. When you were born, you were nepios. You were an infant. You were unskilled. You were untaught. And you didn't have command or you didn't have power of speech. 
In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse 10, Paul talks about this. Uh, and he says, I have to talk to you in terms of nepios because you don't understand spiritual things. You're using your carnal mind, and he ends that with this. You are babes, nepios. Didn't say you're not sons. He just said you're babes. You're immature. You don't have power of speech. You're unskilled. You're untaught. Doesn't mean you're not a son. I mean, the moment that Matthew popped out, he was a son. Matter of fact, he was a son in his mother's womb. Born to me, a son. Immediately. His reference, he didn't have to, I didn't have to wait for him to mature to go around telling everyone how proud I was to have a son and my daughters as well. They were my children, nepios, infants. Here's a progression. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, nepios, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child everything that I heard was. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Shows me a progression. Sons becoming sons. Are we understanding? Are we on the same, in the same room right now? Okay, good. All right. The description here is you are born a son, the new birth. You are an offspring. You're an image bearer of Christ. The perception of the father in this stage is one of familiarity in your environment. You realize that you have a father, but you have no clue what he has to offer you. You know, have no clue about the relationship that you can have with him. He's just familiar. That's where a lot of Christians in America are sitting in church pews. They're nepios. They don't even realize they're sons, and they have no idea what the Father is, who He is, and what He can offer them, what He wants them to have, what He's already given them, and they stay stuck in this stage, and they see God as a familiar figure that all He wants to do is to punish you when you don't do what He says to do. But then there's a second Greek word used here, and it is padion. And this word was used for children ages 2 to 11 or 12-ish. In the Jewish community, this would be the age of toddlership to prior, right prior to bar mitzvah. At 12, they would become um, men, actually men in the Jewish custom at 12 years old. So this is prior to puberty. And at this stage of sonship, these young children begin to discover that they have a, their own will. <laughs> and will at times rebel against the Father's will. Rebellion against the Father's will doesn't kick you out of the family. It's learning some freedoms. It's taking some chances. It's doing some things. You're not an infant any longer, but you're not a full-grown mature son. It's at this stage, however, that the child becomes to recognize and develop a relationship with the father, understanding that he walks with them and he talks with them, and recognizing that he was the one that gave them life. Hmm. Then the third Greek word we find in the New Testament is technon. This word technon is the offspring. Of God. This means living in full dependence upon the Father. 
drawing guidance, care, and nurtureship from him. It's learning to be receptive to Christ speaking by the Spirit to your spirit. John 1, verse 12. We, we need to look at this scripture together. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, watch this word, to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. This word sons here in John 1.12 is this Greek word technon. So as, as you received him as father by what Christ did, then he gave you the power, the ability, the strength, the intelligence, the knowledge to become technon. Nepios, pateon, now technon. See the progression? You're image bearers, you're sons. The moment you were born, you were an image bearer of Christ. Even if you were raised in a home that was ungodly and didn't teach you about the things of God, in the eyes of God, you were a son. Nepios. It's amazing that most believers, most sons, stay in Nepios. They stay in the infantile stage where people have to change you, feed you, clean up your messes. You never understand who your father is. You don't walk in your inheritance. You don't walk in the gifts of the Spirit. People, Most people in church pews are nepios. They're sons. They'll die and go to heaven. Very few have moved into Padeon, but when you become big, you see the essence and the nature of our message is to bring enlightenment to help you understand clarity so that you know that your origin was in Christ. And when he died, you died. And when he got up, you got up. And when you, he ascended, you ascended. And you are a son becoming a son. What stage of sonship are you in? Are you technion? Are you, have you realized that you can become a son of God? That Are you aware of your inheritance, the resources that you have that are available to you? Do you have the conscious fact that you are co-heirs with Christ? We talked about what heirship meant last week, that everything that he has is yours. And the Father says that, all that I have is yours to enjoy. And then there is an awareness of taking responsibility as a son. Now let me see where I'm at. Printed it out twice. <laughs> I'd rather have it twice than not at all. This is where we see Jesus in the temple at 12 years old about his father's business, Technion. In his human, he was the son of God before he was born. But when he was born, Luke 2.40 tells us that he grew in wisdom, knowledge, stature, and in the grace of God. And he was in this technon stage continuing to learn until he became the age of 30 when he started his public ministry. And at the age of 30, we see the next Greek word used for sonship, and it's called weos. In Romans 8, 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the weos, sons of God. 
this weos is more than just the likeness of God's in outward features. You can look at someone and say, oh, well, that's Gary's son. He resembles his father's character. He has the legal right to his father's inheritance as it pertains to the family business. Can you see any of this? Let me give you a few characteristics of weos. Led by the Spirit. We just saw that in Romans 8.14. They are mature sons. They're not nepios. When I was a child, when I was a nepios, I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a weos, a man, a mature son, I put away childish things. How come we still have a bunch of sons acting childish? Because I believe that they haven't been taught. Because nepios means untaught unskilled and so they haven't been taught a lot of preaching in America is not teaching it's a lot of hooping and hollering and believe me I love that style but if the hooping and hollering doesn't have any content you still have a church full of nepios and you know what a pastor who pastors a bunch of nepios does he changes diapers he puts a bottle in their mouth he burps them he feeds them which is all part of the process. Nothing wrong with that in the shepherding realm at all. And a good pastor will do that. But also a good pastor will help lead the congregation through the stages of sonship so that they can become mature sons of God who excel in peace, love, and forgiveness, who are exercised in the word of righteousness. Hebrews 5 13 and 14 says, For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, weos, even those who by reason of use of their senses are exercised to discern both good and evil. We need discernment. We need mature sons, weos, who have grown up that can make good choices. We embrace correction. A technion may have a difficult time taking correction. A weos knows that correction comes from a father who loves and will bring direction in that correction. Hebrews 12, 6, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. A weos, a mature son, views his life experiences as essential in becoming a son. So every life experience, everything that we encounter on life's journey, a mature son will look at that as an essential part of becoming a son. And a mature son, a weos, represents the father accurately. And here's where we've been trying to get you to become weos. Actively participates in their firstborn birthright. You have an inheritance. The firstborn birthright, and Scripture says in Colossians that Jesus was the firstborn of all creation. We follow him in that, so we have a firstborn inheritance, which is a double portion. A mature son in the scripture as regarded as five things real quick. Sons of the kingdom, 
sons of peace, sons of light, sons of resurrection, and sons of the Most High. That, in all references in those scriptures found in Matthew, Luke, and John, the sons of the kingdom, the sons of peace, the sons of light, the sons of resurrection, and the sons of the Most High, all are talking about weos, mature sons. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. Frank, if you guys will come. Hebrews 2.10. For it was fitting for him, Jesus, for whom all things and by whom all things are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Many weos. He's not bringing Napios or Technon to glory. He's bringing many sons. Sons becoming weos are brought to glory. Now look at me and pay attention to this. This word glory in Hebrews 2.10 is not heaven. He's not trying to bring many sons to heaven. While, yes, sons go to heaven, but that the reference here of bringing many sons to glory, the word glory here in the Greek is doxan. And this word doxan means honor, value, worth, and approval. It is fitting for him by whom all things were made and for whom all things were made to bring many sons to worth, value, honor, and approval. So as you grow, as you know that you are sons and you're becoming mature sons, as you recognize that and you go through this process, what he is trying to develop in you, what he is trying to bring you to is a place where you know that you are, he values you, you have worth, he honors you as his image bearer, and he's approved of you as a son. When mature sons can get to this place where they recognize the Father is bringing them to glory, then Romans 8.19 can be understood. Let's look at Romans 8.19 and I'll wrap it up with that scripture, maybe. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe. Intense anticipation. Anxiously anticipating what is about to happen with outstretched neck yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious or God's sons brought to glory. So they're yearning for me and you as mature sons to be revealed, to be uncovered in all of our honor, in all of our worth, in all of our value, in all of our approval. Why is that so important that God would bring many sons to glory and then the world, the earth, all that are in it, all creation moans for the unveiling of that. Because all are sons, and when they see mature sons accurately portraying the Father and His characteristics, they will want, they will be drawn to, and they will become sons. Not in the fact that they're not a son, but they'll be awakened to that, and they'll become, through those stages, Nepios, Padeon, Technon, and then weos creation cannot wait to see the mature sons who know their honor their value their worth and their approval the passion translation says they're in anxious anticipation they've got their necks stretched out to see if there are any mature sons in the earth 
I hope this has made sense to you. I mean, I just, I think that this is, in essence, our message. This is why we do what we do. Uh, is so that there can be some clarity brought to the sons of God. Now, I would say that none of these stages is a place for shame, embarrassment, because you're a son. I mean, Paul even told the Galatians in the fourth chapter, he said, in the Nepio stage, you already, the inheritance is yours. But it's until you're mature enough, you're still going to have a slave mentality over it because you don't know how to steward it. You're not mature enough to steward it. That's why we need to grow up. If Jesus grew in wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and stature, and in the grace of God, that's why Peter says that we will grow in the knowledge of our Lord and, and the grace, the knowledge and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is a growing, a maturation process that needs to take place within the body of Christ. Not, and not just within the body of Christ, Everyone out there is a son. I am not at odds with you if you come from this school of thought and you want people that you they not that they're not sons until they believe. Okay. The ultimate is they're going to get into the process of growing to become weos. Because whether you have the understanding that you're a son right now, or you would say someone becomes a son when they accept, believe, and confess, there's still a maturation process that has to take both place from both schools of thought. So ultimately, the road converges into one. We've got to become mature sons. Um, the work that Jesus did on the cross that we refer to as the finished work is complete. You can't do anything about the work. It is completely finished and complete and puts you in right standing with God. Faith then becomes part of your accepting that and acknowledging that you are a son by what Jesus did. But there's so many scriptures that point us to the fact that the work in us and through us is not done. Paul says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Through the maturation process, the work that is done, being done on us so that he can do the work through us is so that he can bring us many sons, we us, to honor, value, worth, and approval. That's what we try to get you aware of every Sunday. Releasing into you your worth, your honor, your value, and your approval. Let's stand together. Hello, sons. Children of God. This is not a gender-specific weos. That nepios, it's children, it's male or female, just like Adam was he created them and he called their name Adam it's mankind so when we give a, a message like this I could preach a whole series on the bride of Christ 
and for men we would have to see that as the female side of that why are we the bride of Christ because we receive the seed Christ is the seed he plants his seed his word in us so we are the bride of Christ to receive the seed. We are the sons of God to produce that seed. Fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion as sons. The bride, we are carriers of Christ, are we not? You are therefore the bride of Christ, married to him with all legal rights that a bride has, but you are also the sons of God. It's just metaphors to help us understand what is ours and what is ours all that the father has is yours to enjoy so he's not withholding any good thing from you he's never withheld anything good from you are you aware of it how do you have access to it I believe that one of the access points into the treasures of the kingdom of heaven the kingdom of God on the earth is repentance we access repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand change your mind about things change about your mind about your sonship change your mind about every, everyone's a son when i started understanding and believing that everyone is a son of god we're just at different stages in our journey it helped me to do two things lose my desire to be right and to judge because everyone's a son of God. And as I, if I see them as a son of God, I can recognize and realize just a few weeks ago, months ago, years ago, I was where they were at on my journey. And I won't be, Lord helping, where I am right now, five months from now. Because we continue to grow. So there's been a special, um, uh, the only way I know to describe it so you can understand it is a feeling this morning in my heart, in my body, that God is doing something, wanting to do something specific. I can't put my finger on it, but maybe he's been dealing with you. I don't want to put my finger on it. I want to help release it. That's what I'm trying to get out. So, um, yeah, your sons. Justin, I was touched to see the enthusiasm that you and Brandy, Mama and Papa had for Gabby as she ran her first 5K race yesterday. And as I looked at your pictures at the finish line yesterday, you know, we're in a race. It's what Paul gives us of the analogy that we're all in a race. And uh, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a race, I'm not in it for the scenery. I want to win it minute to win it but the enthusiasm the excitement the joy the pride that I saw that family have over her accomplishment made me begin to think about how much my father in heaven is over exuberant and excited about every accomplishment that I have in the earth he takes joy in that he, he is very I believe his heart swells up with pride for his children when he sees you making accomplishments. I, I know that his heart probably gets disappointed when I don't make all the right decisions, but when I yield to his voice, in Proverbs, the second chapter, it says we need to train ourselves to hear his voice because every word he speaks is a revelation of wisdom. 
for our hearts, leading us to success. So as sons, we recognize, we train ourselves to hear his voice. And then when we yield to that and we're on a path of success, I believe the father's heart, like Justin and Brandy's heart was, they are excited over the accomplishment that their child had made. All right. Excited to see where we're going next week because I don't know. We're done with sonship for this series. Um, it's uh, something that I believe um, is important. It's it's essential. It's it's the essence of our mess, message to instruct you in that. So, every heart clear. Thank you.